Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hey, hey, and thanks for joining us here today. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and welcome to this edition of This Week in Business History for April 12th, 2022. Hope this finds you well and glad to have you here today. Our episode today is focused on the C-suite in the earliest days of one of the world's most well-known brands. That's right. We're going to be talking about the early days of Apple way back in the early 1980s, back in the days of Pac-Man, VCRs, parachute pants and the cola wars back in the days when the technology startup was still trying to find its early footing stay tuned as we tackle kicking a big old dent in the universe steve jobs and john scully right here today on this week in business history and hey before we move forward today be sure we'd ask that you take a moment to offer a review of our podcast and subscribe so you don't miss stories like this one here today Thanks for your support as always, and let's dive right in. So where to start with today's episode? Well, with Steve Jobs, of course, the legendary entrepreneur and technology icon who departed this world way too soon as he passed away in 2011 at the age of only 56. Stephen Paul Jobs was born on February 24, 1955 in San Francisco, California. His journey would eventually lead him to try his hand at Reed College in Portland, Oregon, an experiment that lasted about one semester. So in February 1974, Steve Jobs moved back home with his parents in Los Altos, California, where he found a job with Atari as a technician. Nolan Bushnell, the legendary businessman and Atari co-founder, would later say this about Steve Jobs back then, quote, he was very often the smartest guy in the room and he would let people know that, end quote. As fate would have it, Steve Jobs would meet Steve Wozniak. The two would bond mainly over their immense fascination with computers and technology. By March 1976, Wozniak would complete the design of what would become the Apple One computer. He showed his work to Steve Jobs, who immediately said, let's make him and sell him. So just where did the name Apple come from, you might ask? Well, Steve Jobs spent time at a commune in Oregon known as the All One Farm. While there, he evidently spent a lot of time in the apple orchards. And Jobs would talk a lot about those experiences to Wozniak. Thus, they would settle on the name Apple Computer Company, which was founded on April 1st, 1976. Okay, so now that we've established some of the basics of the Apple story that led to the founding, let's get to where Mike Markula gets involved. By 1977, the company had been reincorporated as Apple Computer Inc., 
and Jobs and Wozniak were already working on the Apple II, but knew they needed connections, additional expertise, and perhaps most importantly, funding. They were introduced to a retired technology industry executive named Mike Markula. Interestingly enough, Mike Markula had been savvy enough to earn stock options while working at Fairchild Semiconductor and Intel and made so much money on those options that he was able to retire by the age of 32. Markla was in his mid-40s when Steve Jobs was able to convince him to unretire so that he could join and invest in the startup. Markla would become employee number three and would also bring $80,000 as an equity investment and another $170,000 as a company loan, all making him one-third owner of Apple in 1977. Long story short, Mike Markula would become Apple's second president and CEO in 1981, just four short years later. Now that brings us to the main thrust of today's episode, how John Scully entered the picture and what it meant for Apple Computer Inc. and the path ahead. In 1982, Markula was getting ready for the next CEO of Apple. Now you know Steve Jobs really wanted the position, but Markula just didn't think he was ready enough especially he thought he didn't have enough discipline to handle the role. So they agreed to begin scouring the market and recruiting the next CEO of Apple from outside the company. An executive at PepsiCo hit their radar early on. John Scully was making waves and headlines from his success during those Cola War days of business history. In particular, Steve Jobs and the Apple team liked how he was helping Pepsi make gains and inroads against the iconic Coca-Cola Company. Remember the Pepsi Challenge commercials back in the 80s? Yep, that was John Scully. They saw similarities, the Apple team did, in that battle, especially as it related to Apple's own challenges against IBM, aka Big Blue. Now Steve Jobs locked on to his target with reckless abandon. It's been said that John Scully and Steve Jobs would meet every weekend for five straight months as Jobs continued to sell him on the idea to join and lead Apple. On the last Sunday in March 1983, John Scully has said that he told Steve Jobs to forget it. He's never coming to Apple. Scully then described what happened next, quote, Steve paused and thought for a while. And then he was about 18 inches away from me. And in those days, he was in his 20s. And he had jet black hair, very dark eyes. And he was right in my face. And he said, you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? End quote. On April 11th, 1983, John Scully would join Apple as CEO. Steve Jobs, who was well known for being able to get the talent he needed, Well, his clothes worked once more with John Scully. From the very beginning, the Jobs and Scully tandem was meant as a team approach, a partnership, to driving Apple's growth. But a few things started to gum up the gears a bit. For one, John Scully was not a technologist and really didn't know computers. Secondly, even though the leadership plan seemed to work on paper, with Scully leading marketing and Jobs leading the technology, In reality, Jobs was so much of the Apple identity, it almost set them up from the very beginning for a power struggle. As Scully would say, quote, he was chairman of the board, 
the largest shareholder, and he ran the Macintosh division, so he was above me and below me, end quote. Inevitably, the two would clash, and it'd be a clash for the ages. In 1985, Steve Jobs led the release of the Apple Lisa. It was an innovative technological marvel. The first ever computer with a graphical user interface, or a GUI, a GUI, if you will. But out in the market, it was also a complete flop. Steve Jobs then would head up the Macintosh team, which did better than the Lisa, but still didn't do well enough to stem off a sales slump at Apple. A sales slump always gets everyone's attention. In this case, the slump led John Scully to take action and reassign Steve Jobs from the team that led Macintosh. Well, in some respects, that was like an outsider telling Elon Musk exactly what role he would play at Tesla. Not going to go over well, right? Now back at Apple, Jobs went to the board to complain, but the Apple board of directors sided with John Scully. It is at this point where the truth starts to become a little ambiguous. Steve Jobs would claim he would be fired from Apple, and John Scully would claim that Jobs volunteered to quit. But what is inarguable, Steve Jobs would part ways with Apple officially on September 16, 1985. John Scully would move Apple ahead with some wins, albeit with much of the technology credited to Steve Jobs. The System 7 operating system, the PowerBook laptop, both solid wins for Scully. But a few product flops, a loss of market share, and an earnings miss all were some of the major factors that led to John Scully's dismissal by Apple in 1993. As one looks back on Scully's tenure as CEO, all things considered, you got to be impressed with the top-line achievement as he led Apple through a period of remarkable growth, $800 million in revenue when he took the reins, to a reported $8 billion in revenue when he was fired. However, many detractors point to a variety of Scully's shortcomings, including the culture he presided over, and of course the fact that Apple's heart and soul would depart during his tenure. Now in the countless interviews since, John Scully tends to take the high road. Scully gives a lot of credit to Jobs for some of the things that went right even after Steve Jobs left. Scully also says that he was always impressed with how Steve Jobs stuck to his principles through it all, no matter the situation. Principles that included minimalism, customer experience, sweat the details, keep it small, and reject bad work. The most important lesson, John Scully says, that he learned from Steve Jobs was, quote, the incredible combination of an insatiable curiosity combined with an obsessive desire to change the world and how much impact that kind of leadership could have on not just the company, but on society in general, end quote. In fact, as John Scully reflects on his final days at Apple in the early 90s, he talks about one of his biggest regrets. He says, quote, I wish I'd gone back and gotten hold of Steve and said, hey, I want to go home. This is your company still. Let's figure out a way for you to come back. Why I didn't think of that, I don't know, end quote. Now, from the time of Scully's departure in 1993 until early 1997, you could say that Apple was floundering a bit. But you probably already know what comes next. 
When Steve Jobs left Apple, he started a new company called Next, N-E-X-T, which Apple would acquire for some $429 million officially on February 9, 1997. And just like that, Steve Jobs said, I'm back, baby. Now, late that year, Jobs led a boardroom power play that would eventually cause Apple to name him interim CEO. Then came a remarkable stretch that we're all familiar with for what would make Apple once again an iconic, world-renowned company. Think of the products, the iMac, the iBook, the iPod, the iTunes Store. Now in 2000, Apple would drop the interim from Steve Jobs' title and make him the outright CEO. And in 2007, Jobs would not only announce a name change from Apple Computer Inc., to just Apple Inc. But even bigger, he would famously introduce the iPhone. Apple has hardly looked back ever since. It seemed to recenter itself and its focus when Steve Jobs returned in 1997. And the company has become truly one of the most iconic brands in business of the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Now sadly, John Scully and Steve Jobs, well, they never mended their fences. And on October 5th, 2011, after resigning from Apple as CEO just a few months prior, Steve Jobs would pass away at the age of 56. So as we wrap the episode today, and on a much brighter note, let's close out with a couple of quotes. First, this quote, which rings true from John Scully. Quote, people are going to be most creative and productive when they're doing something they're really interested in. So having fun isn't an outrageous idea at all. It's a very sensible one, end quote. And then this one from Steve Jobs, who offers up so many great quotes from his business tenure. He said here, quote, we're here to put a dent in the universe. Otherwise, why else even be here, end quote. Well, that's just about going to do it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed our show today and hope that it finds you well down your path of putting your own dent in the universe. Hey, let us know what you think. We'd love to earn your review wherever you listen to this podcast. Of course, my co-host Kelly Barner and I hope that you'll subscribe to the show so you won't miss a single episode. We publish a new episode every Tuesday. Now, with all that said, I want to wish you a wonderful week ahead. Hey, this is Scott Luton urging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.